0: Early in this past week, I was reading through a short Bible study devotional um, and was quite challenged in a very good way by what I read. The study itself was part of a daily time of prayer and reflection that's offered through an app that you can download on your phone um, called Lectio 365. Lactio 365, highly recommend it. One of my brothers-in-law is the one who uh, brought it to my attention. And in this particular story, uh, early in the week, it was centered on an event in the reign of King Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was king of Judah centuries before Christ. And the story begins with Jehoshaphat in big trouble. He's told by some people uh, in the kingdom that there are three different armies that are on their way to attack the kingdom and they are already very close. They are about to invade. I don't know enough about all the, the armies that are involved to know how imposing this threat was for Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah. But based on the reading of the story, it was certainly enough to cause deep fear and even panic. But rather than running and hiding or completely breaking down and being unable to function, or even calling together the leaders of his own army, the first thing that Jehoshaphat did was to turn to God in prayer. And even when he turns to God in prayer, he doesn't open the prayer with a cry for help. He doesn't immediately reveal the terror that he may be experiencing. Instead, he begins by proclaiming God's power as ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth and recalling experiences in the history of God's people when God had used that power to save them. I honestly don't think I would have really caught the significance of what Jehoshaphat had done if it hadn't been for the way the author, Jill Weber, reflected on uh, this incident in this devotional I read. This is what she wrote that, that caught my attention. She writes, I'm struck by how different my prayers are to Jehoshaphat's. I usually start with my litany of complaints and laments. My problems can loom large in my own eyes And sometimes I can feel overwhelmed and defeated before I even begin. When Jehoshaphat prays, he doesn't start with the problem, he starts with the solution. He begins by recounting God's preeminence and God's power. He didn't start with the problem, he started with the solution, the power of God and the history of God's using that power to help. The story, this particular story uh, of Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah goes on to reveal that God did answer their prayers in a way that saved them. God gave the people some things to do, God does some things as well, and it all works out well for the kingdom of Judah. But again, what resonated for me are that those first steps from King Jehoshaphat and Jill Weber's reflection on that, that he didn't start with the problem, he started with the solution and then found peace in the face of this incredible problem or situation. When we proclaim in the Apostles' Creed that Jesus sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, we are reminding ourselves of the solution for the problems that we face in our lives. We are declaring that no matter how intense are the problems we face, we know of a stronger solution. Jesus shares in the power of God Almighty. Further, the one who shares in the power of God Almighty is Jesus our Savior, the one who loves us so much that he gave his own life to save us, now rules the universe with almighty power. And therefore, no matter what we face, we can be at peace. The image we are given to reassure us of this power that Jesus has to wield the sitting at the right hand of God the Father is like I was saying with the kids, one that comes from the royal courts of the Eastern Eastern world that would have been very familiar to the original uh, hearers. C.E.B. Cranfield, a former professor at University of Durham notes that the chief minister would sit or stand at the right hand of the king and exercise the authority delegated to him. We have actually carried that thought and image even till this day with the phrase, my right-hand man. Usually it's guys that say that about other guys. But because it, partly it's the, the assonance, right-hand man. doesn't kind of work quite as well as right-hand person, but same idea. It's, it's that idea that the, the person, we can't live without them and they have the same power uh, to, to and authority as the one giving it. This image is one that's at work in that first reading we had from the Hebrew Testament from Daniel about uh, then I looked and behold, there was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancients of, ancient of days and was led into his present. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men and women of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Now, this becomes even more significant when we know what led up what preceded that part of the vision for Daniel. And I figured that I've inflicted enough terror on um, the kids with some of the Old Testament readings that I've had through this series that I I thought I would skip um, reading that before I finished up with the the children's sermon and hopefully they've bagged out by now. Um, But this is what (laughs) leads up to that. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream And visions passed through his mind as he was lying on his bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off. And it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a man, and the heart of a man was given to it. And there before me was a second beast which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. And you can see why I was a little hesitant to read this. after that, I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard, and on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. Anyway, it goes on and on like this, uh, and that's what precedes the, the vision of fearfulness of these powers that are at work, that are, that are threatening the, the kingdom and the people of God, and it's then that we hear, As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the ancients, ancient of days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, and hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him 10,000 times, 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. And then the vision of one like the Son of Man who is brought into this magnificent throne room with this magnificent God on this throne. And the one like the Son of Man is given the authority and the power and his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. Well, in the opinion of the earliest disciples of Jesus, this vision of Daniel is fulfilled in Jesus and his resurrection and ascension. This is why the writers of the New Testament Refer to Jesus so often as Lord. Previously, that was a designation, a title, given only to God Almighty. But the disciples experienced in Jesus the same power and authority as God's Almighty, as God Almighty. In fact, the text from the Hebrew First Ten- Testament that is most often quoted directly or alluded to in the New Testament, deals with this idea of Jesus as God's designated Lord. The text is the one that we used for our call to worship from Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. That is the the text from the Hebrew First Testament that is most often referred to in the New Testament. And it's in relationship to Jesus. The earliest disciples all believed, that Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of God Almighty as ruler of the universe. And Jesus himself proclaims that in our gospel passage. The disciples gathered after word of his resurrection. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and do as I have done for you. Nothing that we fear is more powerful than the one who sits at the right hand of God Almighty. And we believe that the one who sits at the right hand of God Almighty is Jesus, (laughs) our Savior. The truth is, Uh, and excuse me, it's that truth that we believe it's Jesus is what ultimately allows this image to be one that brings us peace. Jesus, we know, came to share in the fullness of our experience as human beings in order to reassure us that we are known. Jesus triumphed over all the enemies of our humanity to reassure us that we are saved. And Jesus now sits at the right hand of God to reassure us that we are cared for. The writer of our New Testament passage reminds us of what this means for us. Since we have a great high priest and Chief minister who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I love that it's now the throne of grace, not alone the throne of power. And it's Jesus who is there to greet us. Without this awareness that it's Jesus there, without this awareness of the presence of Jesus at the seat of power, It might feel a little bit more like when Dorothy and the gang first approach uh, the Wizard of Oz. You know, the the glowing green head and the booming voice that shakes the floor and the flashes of light and, and smoke and all of that. They're terrified. You know, the lion keeps running out and they grab him by the tail. But with the awareness that it's Jesus whom we meet at the seat of power It's even better than when Dorothy and the gang find the little old guy behind the curtain because that guy had no power. He had a lot of tricks, but he had no power. Jesus actually has the power that the wizard did not. And at the same time, Jesus is the human being whose love and grace we recognize. It's Jesus who sits at the right hand of God Almighty. And I love the fact that the image we are given of Jesus is that he's sitting. This is not the posture of someone who's worried, of someone who is anxious or afraid. The image we have is of someone who's assured. He's in control. He's at peace. He's sitting down. Jesus knows that we face not simply difficulties, but horrors even, Jesus knows this because Jesus has experienced these horrors. And yet, Jesus also knows that he has overcome everything that we will ever experience. I appreciate the thoughtfulness that Cranfield brings to this truth. He writes, the great weight of evidence in our lives that seems to call this into question, that, that Jesus is in control is not to be belittled or denied. In a world in which injustice, cruelty, and greed often seem triumphant, it is hard indeed to hold fast to the truth of the biblical testimony to Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. I like that, that, he, that he's honest about how it doesn't seem like that when we're facing Three armies about to attack the land, or a person who we feel is out to get us, whatever it is. But he continues the Christian will hold fast to this truth, even if sometimes he or she is forced to pray, I believe, help my unbelief. In the immediacy of the situations that upset us, it can seem impossible to find peace and it is almost never helpful to have someone say to us relax or Jesus is in control. But I believe that is why the writers of the scriptures give us images to bring to our hearts and to our minds and to dwell with. One of the most powerful images that we have given to us is this one of Jesus sitting in the throne room at the right hand of God Almighty. As circumstances in our lives rise up before us or seem to surround us, we're called to let our hearts and our minds enter into the presence of God, to see Jesus sitting there, welcoming us with love and grace, Jesus inviting us to come sit with him and be at peace. The one who loves us so much that he gave his life to save us now rules the universe with almighty power. No matter what we face, we know where to find the solution. And there with Jesus at the right hand of God, we can be at peace as well. Thanks be to God.